Welcome back to the Wire Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McCrary, and today I got a lot to talk about. I want to talk about some college football, uh, the NFL, and the NBA. We got the NBA Finals. Game one is tonight. I can't wait for that. I'm super excited. I do want to talk about uh, the Lakers Heat matchup. I also want to talk about the first week of uh, college football, including the SEC. So the SEC played their first games this weekend going to talk about a few of those we did have one major upset in college football y'all probably know what i'm talking about i'm definitely going to be discussing that and then i want to talk about some of the nfl games uh, that were played this week uh, i'm probably going to do another podcast tomorrow where i discuss some more of the games and then i'll discuss some college football games coming up this weekend uh it'll depend on how my schedule looks but let's go ahead and get into today's episode, starting off with Oklahoma getting upset by Kansas State. Now, this was a crazy game, um, and if you bet on Kansas State co- to cover, you were a happy person this weekend, because not only did Kansas State cover, they, at- they just outright won the game. It was wild. Now, Oklahoma started off the game playing pretty well. They, I mean, they went into halftime up 21-7. Their offense was playing really well. Kansas State couldn't stop them. Um, but a huge reason why Oklahoma lost this game is because, A, their defense was horrendous. Um, and Spencer Rattler was, man, like he had three. I mean, he had a, a decent stat line, but then you, look, you go over to the interceptions, he had three picks in this game. That's the major reason why they lost. Um, and by the way, before I continue, if you see something back here, I got the Braves game on. MLB playoffs. And they started this week. The Braves are playing their first game. That's what I have uh, on this screen right here. Uh, but I'm getting off track. But yeah, the the, um, the main reason the the main reasons why Oklahoma lost were the defense didn't play very well and Spencer Rattler, who who had a decent start in, or a really good start in Week One. He was awesome in Oklahoma's first game. This game he was not very good. Had three interceptions, and that's why his. And his QBR was like in the 70s. I mean, he, he had a lot of touchdowns, a lot of yards, but he had three picks. Um, and you cannot, you cannot expect to win the game when you, when you turn the ball over three times. That's just, that's the recipe for disaster. And disaster happened. Um, the second half was an entirely different story. Now, Oklahoma entered, went into halftime up double digits. But in the second half, something happened. And Oklahoma's defense just fell apart. They did a nice job in the first half. Held Kansas State into seven points. You know, Kansas State couldn't get really, couldn't really get anything going offensively. Uh, but that was not the case in the second half whatsoever. And oh my lord, it looked like the Miami Louisville game all over again. Because, you know, I talked about this on the last episode. Louisville, their defense was unbelievably awful in that game. And the main reason why is because they were playing man coverage and no one, like, their guys would be missing their assignments. They wouldn't be covering who they were supposed to cover. And there was just a lot of miscommunications. A lot of miscommunication guys didn't know what they were supposed to do. And it kind of looked, that same thing happened in, a, in this game, it felt like. Kansas State was able to get a lot of big plays in the second half. Um, and, and Oklahoma made it easy for Kansas State to score on offense. 
And so Kansas State was picking up big plays. They were scoring quickly. And it allowed them to get back into this game. And then, of course, Rattler was turning the ball over. Oklahoma was just not having as much success on offense. And, and, and it was it was the it was just it all led to Kansas State being able to come back in this game and getting the W. Um, their running back Kansas State Kansas State's running back Vaughn. I'm forgetting his first name. He was incredible in this game. He was awesome. Shout out to that dude. He balled out. I mean, he came to play. Um, he was awesome. He was a big part of Kansas State's success offensively. He was great in the run game. He was just absolutely phenomenal. But yeah, Oklahoma. I mean, they got a good. They got a good team. Spencer Rattler is a stud. He's looked really, really good so far. I like what I see from him, especially just looking at his physical tools. I like what I see. Uh, but their defense is going to have to step it up. They cannot perform like this on that side of the ball and expect to win games. And Spencer Rattler, I'm not going to let him off the hook either. Like He's got to play better. He cannot turn the ball over three times and expect to win games. In in in, in 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 especially in the Big Twelve, like it's a good conference. You can't turn the ball over three times and expect to win games. You just can't do that. That's unacceptable. Um, and this was an unacceptable loss by Oklahoma. They've got to be better, especially if they if they expect to make a run, uh, for the playoff. All right, moving on. Auburn, Kentucky. Now, me, I am a Auburn fan. I am a diehard Auburn fan. I love the Auburn Tigers. And so I was super excited for this game. It's our first game. We're going up against an SEC, an SEC opponent. And they're pretty good. They're ranked number 23. They got a good quarterback, uh, a good offense, good run game. And so I, w- I was expecting a pretty good game. Um, and luckily we came out with a W. Auburn, uh, won 20, 29 to 13. And, I mean, we, we looked, we looked alright. Uh, I will say, I was not very impressed by Auburn. Um, and, and, and although we won by double digits, we, we won by two possessions, I didn't feel like we played our best. I, I still think we have a lot further to go. Now, there, there is like 11 more games left in the regular season, so we got time. Uh, but, um, this season, you don't have a whole lot of time to grow up. You don't have a whole lot of time to iron things out with the pandemic because, you know, every team is playing a conference-only schedule. And we happen to play in the best conference in, in college football. So we're playing SEC opponents every single week. And next week, we play Georgia. Now, I'm going to talk about Georgia in a little bit. Uh, but we play the Georgia Bulldogs in week two. Usually, we play them the third, the last week of the season. This year is a totally different story, and we're playing them week two. And that's a tough matchup. Um, and so, although, I mean, I wasn't very impressed with us in game one, and that makes me a little bit worried, especially considering that we're facing an opponent like Georgia, who's going to be tough and who's really good defensively. Um, so I'm a little bit worried. But th- there were some good things. Like the defense, they had their moments where they played bad, um, but they forced some turnovers. Um, and, and they made some big plays on that on that side of the ball, which led to the offense getting having good field position, which led to easy easy drives for our offense. Um, so good things like that happen. You know, Bo Nix played well. Um, Sean Shivers started. I'm a huge Sean Shivers fan. I love Sean Shivers. 
He's my favorite. He's like one of my favorite players on the team, mainly because he's so small. And even though he's so, even though he's smaller, he's like five seven, but he's super powerful. He's super strong, very explosive. I love that guy. He had some good moments. Um, and Seth Williams balled out. And you know, you probably if you've seen the highlights from that game, you saw his two catches, his two, his two touchdown catches. Those were nasty. Um, he was disgust, disgustingly good in that game. Um, but the bad. I got to talk about the bad. Because although there were some good things and we won by 16 points, there was a lot of bad in this game. And I want to talk about the play calling. Now, defensively, we were running 2 4, or sorry, uh, 4 2 5, uh, n- nickel 2 4 5 for a majority of the game. That's fine. Cool. We're running nickel. Um, you know, it's, it's a good formation. You have five defensive backs, but you use a, uh, you use that kind of formation when you're going up against an offense that primarily leans on the passing game because you have five defensive backs. And when you use more defensive backs and when you're taking linebackers off the field, that makes your run defense worse. So you would not use this kind of defense normally against a run-heavy offense, which Kentucky is. And so that was kind of confusing. I mean, I don't really understand why we were running a a nickel 4-2-5 defense against a run-heavy team like Kentucky, who has a quarterback who is not a very, who's not a great passer. So I don't understand why we were running nickel 4-2-5. And we didn't really make any adjustments. We never really got out of that defense. And early on in that game in the first half, Kentucky was running the ball down our throats relentlessly. They were running the ball, like, continuously, and we couldn't stop them at all. We couldn't stop them, and our, our, our defensive coordinator, um, Steele, I'm forgetting his first name. Uh, Kevin Steele? Uh, I'm, that doesn't sound right, but his last name is Steele. Our defensive coordinator was not making adjustments, and it was so frustrating watching the game, like, uh, come on, dude. You've gotta, you've gotta see what's wrong. Like, you're running a nickel 425 defense, which is a pass defense, and, and your opponent is running the ball continuously, and you're having a hard time stopping it. So I would, I was expecting them to, you know, make some adjustments, start running maybe a, a 4-3 defense or a 3-4 defense, get more linebackers, stack the box, and force Terry Wilson to make some tough throws. They never did that. So that's one thing I want to see change. I want to see our coaches make some adjustments. Um, and offensively, I want to talk about the play calling. Um, I'm not really in the play calling. I thought the play calling was okay, but our offense has to be better. There's too many times where our offense is stalling out and we're not able to do anything for multiple drives in a row. That can't happen because when you're playing better teams like Georgia and Alabama, that's not going to fly. You're going to get killed if your offense is stalling out. And our offense continued to do that in this game. And, it, and our offense has been like that for years. It, I mean, this is no, like, we've been singing the same song for years now. Like, our offense, you know, time and time again has been stale and continues to stall out for our offense not to be one of the more explosive offenses in the country. We have Seth Williams, who's one of the best receivers in the nation. We have Bo Nix, a super talented dual threat quarterback who can make plays with both his legs and his arm. 
We have Anthony Schwartz, probably the fastest player in the country. We have Sean Chivers, DJ Williams at running back. We got some talent in our backfield. Our offensive line isn't great, but we have a lot of weapons. We got a good quarterback. Our offense should never, ever be stagnant. There is no excuse for our offense to ever stall out. And it did so multiple times in this game. And that's got to change. Let me get a drink. <sighs> Ooh, thank you for watching. Hold up. Let me see. Let me see who won. Oh, did we win? I think the Braves won. Let me, let me, let me look at the score real quick. And then I'll get back to the podcast. I think we won the game. Yep. Won the game in the 13th inning. Awesome. Freeman hit an RBI. Single. Pache scored. And couldn't get a second. Awesome. Alright. Now back to what I was talking about. Auburn, Kentucky. So, yeah. Like, our offense stalled out way way too much in that game. That's going to change. But overall, we had some nice plays offensively. Like, the, the two Seth Williams touchdowns were awesome. And that guy is a stud. Like, he's just so physical. So big. Um, very extremely athletic. You know, you can throw the ball up to him, and you can bet on him coming down with it. Uh, I mean, he was just such a beast in this game. Bo Nix was really good. Like, he had one throw. We forced a fumble one time in the second half, um, and then immediately on the very next play, uh, Bo Nix threw a beautiful touchdown down the sideline, um, to go up 16 points. That was a great throw. Plays like that. Uh, make me confident that we can we can have a good year, uh, but just some some play calling issues defensively. Um, our offense was you know our offense having those moments where we would just stall, um, and that sucks. And I and I don't want to see that continue, but I'm afraid it will. Other than that, like we, I mean, I I know I'm talking and negatively about about Auburn. Um, and the way they play, but, you know, despite all of that, they won by 16 points. They won by double digits over a ranked SEC opponent. It doesn't get much better than that on in, in week one. It really doesn't. So I, I'm just proud of the way our team played, the way we fought. Um, Kentucky put up a really good fight in the first half. In the second half, it got away from them. They turned the ball over too much. Um, but shout out to Kentucky. Uh, their coaching staff did a really good job for this game. They had their, their guys prepared. Uh, execution was was not their strong suit in the second half, uh, but you know they attacked our weaknesses, and and I thought we got out coached in the first half. Um, so shout out to Kentucky, big win for Auburn. Um, it, it'll be really interesting to see Auburn go up against Georgia. I can't wait for that matchup. That that's coming up this weekend. And speaking of Georgia. I want to talk about them and their game against Arkansas. Now, this was a wild, wild game. Georgia, as we all know, they brought in two transfer quarterbacks over the offseason. They brought in Jamie Newman from Wake Forest, and they brought in JT Daniels from USC. Now, Jamie Newman was probably going to be the starter uh, because, you know, he's very talented, but JT Daniels has been dealing with an injury. He got hurt last year at USC, and so he's still dealing with that. He hasn't been medically cleared, or he wasn't medically cleared before uh, week one. So Georgia was prepared to go out and start, go out with Jamie Newman as their starter. Well, prior to the season starting, Jamie Newman opted out of the season to prepare for the NFL draft. 
bad move, in my opinion. I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, I'm not going to... That's a discussion for another episode. So now, they have JT Daniels as their starter, but they didn't know if JT Daniels was going to be medically cleared for Game 1. Turns out he wasn't. So, they had to go into Week 1, into Game 1 versus Arkansas, with DeJuan Mathis as their starting quarterback. Now, Mathis, if you don't know Mathis's story, I'll go over it a little bit. It is incredible. That dude is a stud. I love that guy. That guy's, he's a guy that you want to root for. So, last year, Mathis, I think it was last year, Mathis had, had a, um, had been diagnosed with a brain cyst. And so, I mean, that's a serious injury. That's a serious medical condition. And honestly, I don't know what the likelihood of someone with a brain cyst, like if you're a football player, I don't know the likelihood of you ever being able to play football again. I'm sure the the likelihood is, or the chances may be low. Uh, but he had that, didn't know if he would ever play football again. Georgia stuck with him. And then, so now he's at Georgia and he starts the first game. Like that's an incredible story. Him coming, uh, fighting through that brain cyst, being able to start, um, in his first college game. Um, is incredible. That's a wonderful story. So shout out to Mathis. Um, but he struggled. Now he was pretty terrible in the first half. Um, did not play very well at all. Georgia could not get anything going on offense. Their offense was just brutal, um, in the first half. And that showed in the halftime score. Like Arkansas was up seven to five going into halftime. So you can, you can see Georgia was not very good offensively in that first half. And Mathis was struggling. The whole offense was struggling. Luckily, Georgia has a great defense. Because if they didn't, Arkansas may have upset the Bulldogs. Um, and, and, and Arkansas is not very good. You know, they struggled offensively. They, they had a touchdown uh, on a beautiful throw from Felipe Franks. But other than that, like, there was not a whole lot of action in this game. This is honestly, this was honestly one of the worst football games I've ever witnessed in my entire life. Just... I'm, I'm being brutally honest, but that's the truth. It was not good football. Uh, but in Mathis, he struggled, and eventually he got benched. And Stetson Bennett came in the game. Now, he was a lot better. Um, he was more confident in the pocket. He just looked more comfortable back there uh, under center in shotgun. He just looked more comfortable, and, and he was ready for the moment. Mathis wasn't, but Stetson Bennett was. And eventually in the second half, things got rolling. Georgia started scoring points. And at the end of the day, they won by double digits. Uh, I don't, they didn't, they actually didn't cover the spread. Uh, but they did win by 20 plus points over Arkansas. Um, I was not impressed by them whatsoever. Uh, now defensively, they were fine. I mean, they, they, they held Arkansas to seven points in the first half. Uh, their defense is fine. It's what we expected it to be. Offensively, Georgia is horrible, and I know that they're implementing an air raid system, um, and in trying to implement a new offensive scheme in an offseason where you don't really get to practice a whole lot, or or everything's really different. Like with COVID nineteen, everything's different. The whole offseason is just it's totally different than how it would be in a normal season, and so that makes it more difficult. And then the quarterback play is just. It's a it's a weird situation. Like Georgia is in a Georgia is in a weird situation uh, with J D Daniels not being able to play. I think he will actually uh, be able to go and and, and start 
on Saturday against Auburn? If so, that's huge for Georgia. I don't know for sure if he's going to be able to play, but if he is, that, that'll be huge for Georgia. If not, I wouldn't be surprised to see Georgia lose on Saturday. And I know I'm an Auburn fan. I get that. But trust me, I'm not biased at all. I'm, I'm like, in, in every sport, I am the most unbiased fan. I, 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 there, you won't find a more unbiased fan in any sport. Like, I, I am unbiased. I try not to favor my teams. Uh, I just honestly believe what I saw from Auburn against Kentucky and what I saw from Georgia against Arkansas, uh, if, if Georgia isn't able to come out and perform better offensively. If their drives are short, and if they're stalling out like Auburn was at times against Kentucky, um, they're going to really struggle in this game. And and I expect them to be a little bit better offensively after one week. You know, guy, they're, they they finally they got to play. They played a game. Everyone knows what it's like. Whoever their quarterback is, they have some experience in this offense, and so I expect them to be better. But Auburn isn't Arkansas. Like, Auburn is so much better than Arkansas. They're better defensively. They're better offensively. And I expect Georgia to be fine defensively. They may, you know, they may give up some points because Auburn is talented on on the offensive side of the ball. But I'm just really concerned about, about what Georgia's going to be able to do against Auburn offensively because their quarterback play was not very good in week one. They struggle to move the ball. They struggle to put up points. And if they do that on Saturday against a, 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 an Auburn team that's extremely talented, I mean, they, they may lose. They're probably going to lose. Um, it's going to be a fun game to watch. I can't wait. Uh, but yeah, Georgia definitely is not as good as everybody thinks they are. Um, they got a lot of talent defensively. On that side of the ball, they're fine. Uh, but they still got to find a group offensively. They gotta find their quarterback. J- I know not having JT Daniels sucks. It really does. Uh, but they're gonna have to fight through that. Hopefully he comes back sooner rather than later. Uh, but for now, th- they're in trouble going forward. Alright, let's talk about the NFL. First game I want to talk about Ravens, Chiefs, Monday Night Football. Great, great matchup. Um, and going into this game, I thought the Chiefs were gonna were going to struggle because last week they played the Chargers, and the Chargers defense gave the Chiefs a lot of trouble. They put a lot of pressure on Mahomes. Um, they got in the backfield a lot, and they just made it really difficult for the Chiefs to move the ball offensively and to score points. And 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 they they they're all, the the Chargers offense last week was really meticulous. Uh, they ran the ball a lot. Um, and, and they had a lot of success offensively with Justin Herbert as their quarterback. And I thought, you know, the Chiefs defense isn't great. They're going up against an explosive offense, um, an explosive Ravens offense, where you have a, a quarterback who is super explosive, um, causes a lot of damage with his legs. He's going to put a lot of pressure on the linebackers. And I thought, I thought the Chiefs were going to struggle on both sides of the ball, considering the explosive offense the Ravens have, and their stingy defense that ranks, I, I believe it's like the number one defense in the NFL right now, um, or it was heading into this game. And I, I just thought they were going to go into give the Chiefs a lot of trouble. I thought it was going to be a, a very close game, uh, but I thought at some point, I thought the Ravens were going to pull ahead and win this game by 
Not not a ton. It, it was going to be a close game, but I would I wasn't going to be surprised if the, if the Ravens won by like six to seven points. Uh, but the Chiefs shocked me, and this this game is huge because I I I think the Ravens and the Chiefs are easily the two best teams in the AFC. They're going to be fighting for a spot in the Super Bowl, and if if this game is any indication of how this matchup is going to go in the future, uh, the Ravens are in big trouble because the Chiefs dominated them on both sides of the ball, primarily offensively. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was unreal in this game. And before I go in, in, into more, any more detail about this game, shout out to Mahomes. As uh, he, he and his, and his fiancée announced uh, that his fiancée is pregnant, uh, so he's going to be a dad. Shout out to him. That's a great moment. No, uh, props to Mahomes. Shout out to him on being a future father. Uh, but let's get back to this game. Yeah, Mahomes was unreal in this game. He was awesome. Made made a ton of beautiful passes. Like he had one to Tyreek Hill, um, which was a a perfect ball. Like Tyreek Hill, it was an extremely tight window. It was good coverage. The guy was just was behind Tyreek Hill, but he was on his back. And Mahomes just put it on, on in the perfect spot out in front of him. That was a great ball. And then uh, in the first half, he had one throw to Miko Harvey. Miko Harvey ran like a a wheel route up the sideline. And Mahomes, there was a guy uh, coming for him that was about to hit him, and and he was about to get sacked. But he made a throw. But he made, he got the ball off. And the thing was. There wasn't a big window. Like, when he threw the ball, Miko Hardman wasn't wide open. But he threw the ball inside. And Miko Hardman was outside. And he ended up getting a lot of space at the end of his route. Uh, and he ended up going inside and making a play on the ball. He caught it. He was wide open. That was a beautiful touchdown. And just a beautiful throw by Mahomes. And that was actually great ball placement. I don't think that's where he wanted to put it. Uh, but it actually ended up being the best possible spot for him to throw the ball. So that was great. And there were even more great throws from him in this game. He had one throw to Claude Edwards-Alaire, which was just absolutely beautiful. A great touch pass. Um, and then, I mean, he, he just was so good in this game. He was great in the pocket. His pocket presence was amazing. I mean, he was making throws off-platform. Uh, different arm angles, just what he normally does, and, and, and it just shows that this guy is on a whole nother level, and as good as like Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun, as good as those guys are, Patrick Mahomes is just a different beast, and time and time again, he shows that he is the best football player in the world, and it's not even close, and I love Russell Wilson. I love Aaron Rodgers, but this guy is just a on a different level right now. We've never seen anyone play the quarterback position at a higher level than Patrick Mahomes is right now. He is just the most talented um, quarterback in the history of football. Um, and I don't know if we're ever, ever going to see a better quarterback in the history, uh, 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 in the history of mankind, like I honestly, I don't know if we're ever gonna see a better quarterback than Mahomes. He's about as good as it gets. Uh, and, and this was just another stellar performance by him. And the Chiefs, the Chiefs as a whole, were 
absolutely amazing in the first half. Offensively, they were great, um, and they were putting up points, and that put a lot of pressure on the Ravens' offense. Now, the Ravens, offensively, were not very good. They weren't very good defensively either, but I think I think the my biggest concern is how much they struggled offensively. They like to run the ball. Everyone knows that. They're a run-heavy team. You know, Lamar Jackson is any is electrifying as a mobile quarterback. He makes he just kills defenses with his rushing ability. And in this game, he wasn't able he wasn't able to weaponize his rushing ability as much because the rate the Chiefs were putting up points. Like they were just like dro- dropping touchdowns left and right. And so the Ravens had to throw the ball more. And the Chiefs defense came to play. They were awesome. And Lamar Jackson struggled in the, in, in the first, and he just struggled overall in this game. He was not very good as a passer. Um, he was, he had some nice runs. Uh, but as a passer, strictly, he was not very good. Um, didn't throw for over 100 yards. He had, I, did he have a touchdown? I can't remember. I don't think he had a touchdown. Um, did he, I don't, I don't remember if he had a pick. I don't remember his stat line. But I do know he had under 100 passing yards, which is just not very good, especially from a quarterback as talented as he is. Like, Lamar Jackson just came off an MVP season, and as critical as I've been of Lamar for his playoff, uh, you know, disappearances, he's still an extremely talented quarterback. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. That His performance on Monday night, that just doesn't cut it. Um, and I was really impressed by the Chiefs defensively, you know, they held the Ravens' offense in check. The Ravens have such a, an explosive offense, um, and they run the ball so efficiently, and so and, and, and they just weren't able to do that. They were forced to throw, and when and when Lamar Jackson was forced to be more of a passer, he struggled. And the in the Ravens' offense, they stalled, and they just weren't very good in this game. Now they they um. They were they were a little bit better in the second half. They kind of came back a little bit, but the, the the game the score the game wasn't as close as the score indicates. It, it just felt like the Chiefs were dominating the Ravens the entire time. It really did. And although the Ravens cut into seven at one point, the Chiefs came down, sc- scored a touchdown, and so like it, it was just such a struggle for the Ravens in this game. And I honestly was shocked. I thought they would put up a much better fight. I thought they would make. I thought the Chiefs were the ones, were, were the team that would struggle in this matchup. It was, it it, it was just the complete opposite, um, and I was shocked. So shout out to the Chiefs. Um, one guy I do want to point out is Devin Duvernay. He had a 93 yard kick return touchdown in the first half. The Ravens scored 10 points um, going into halftime, and seven of those points came from Duvernay. Now. I really, really like Devin Duvernay. He's a rookie receiver from Texas, um, and he's not getting a whole lot of opportunities right now. Uh, but whenever he touches the ball, good things happen. He's super explosive, very fast. He can eat up a lot of yards. I think the Ravens need to get him the ball more. Um, just every time I see him touch the ball, it feels like he's making a play happen. So I would like to, to see him get the ball more. I want to see him get more involved in the offense. That's the last thing I want to say about that game. But yeah, I was very impressed by the Chiefs. And if this is any indication on how this matchup is going to go moving forward this season, uh, the, the Ravens are in a heap of trouble because the Chiefs looked unstoppable last night. 
And I think they have officially taken the crown as the best team in the NFL. All right, moving on. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it's basically the same the same segment as last time. Uh, the Falcons choked. And, you know, they choked against the Cowboys. I talked about it on the podcast uh, last episode. They choked again. Uh, the Falcons blew a 16-point fourth-quarter lead to the Chicago Bears. And... Uh, I mean, it, it, it is frustrating, but I, I find it hard to care anymore because the ownership, like our owner, Arthur Blank, it doesn't seem like he cares because if he actually cared about putting our franchise in a better position to be successful, he would have fired Dan Quinn a long time ago. But he, he's, he, I mean, he's decided to keep Dan Quinn on our coaching staff year after year after year, and the results are the same. We go into each season, I don't, but our fan base goes into each season with the expectation that we are going to be a contender and that we are going to win a lot of games and make the playoffs. And for the last couple of seasons, we just haven't been that. And I think everyone expects us to... Everyone has really, really high expectations for this team. I don't. I mean, I've been saying since 2017... That we need to rebuild. I'm gonna talk about that a little bit uh, in a, a little bit more in a minute, uh, but I want to talk about our, our the fan base's expectations. For a majority of the fan base, we expect to be contenders, and we just haven't been that. And so, when your team isn't meeting your fan base your fan base's expectations, I expect there to be some changes made, and there just hasn't been like our 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 culture continues to accept losing year after year and we don't make any changes dan quinn after every bad loss after every balloon lead he comes out with that same glass half full uh attitude and he's like we're gonna fight we're gonna we're, i mean we're gonna just we're gonna go go into the next game we're not gonna we're not gonna worry about this game too much you know we're not gonna let this game Hold us back. We're going to move forward. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear that you're going to change what's happening. Because the reason this team's struggling year after year is obvious. I mean, you, you can just go on pro football reference and see why we're struggling so much. Because it's there's nothing wrong with our team offensively. Everything, every, like all our struggles have to do with our defense. Like Our defense is so horrendous. Because a our secondary sucks. Like I'm sorry, but I'm go. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Our secondary is freaking awful. Isaiah uh, Isaiah Oliver. I uh, I mean, you're probably a good dude, and I like you. Like you're probably a great dude. Uh, you're probably you're probably a hard worker. But my God, you can't cover for crap. Isaiah Oliver sucks. He's terrible. We need to get rid of him immediately. He should not be allowed in our facilities any longer. Someone needs, like, we need to cut him. I'm sorry. I get this guy has a family to feed, and and he's a human. I get that. I totally get that. But the NFL is a business, and we can't worry about hurting people's feelings. Isaiah Oliver has been awful. He can't cover anybody. He can't do his job. Please, for the love of God, cut Isaiah Oliver, he is terrible. He is one of our worst players. Um, 
And, and we can't cover anybody. Like, no one can cover anybody. I will say, shout out to, uh, Denard, who we got from the Bengals. He, he was awesome on Sunday. He was great. And we need guys like him. Guys that are going to show up on Sundays. Guys who are going to line up against the best receivers in the NFL, like Allen Robinson, and, and, and play well. We don't have anybody like that. Besides Denard. And I don't know if Denard can't, I don't expect Denard to be doing that consistently. And I, I especially don't expect Isaiah Oliver to be doing that at all, because he's horrible. Uh, but our secondary is bad. And then we couple that, like, you would expect for a team that has a secondary as bad as ours, you would expect that team to help them out by providing a stellar pass rush. And we don't, because we don't blitz at all. Over the last couple of years, we've been one of the, we, we were at like the bottom of the league in terms of blitz percentage every single year. Why? Why aren't we blitzing? Like our front four isn't good enough, uh, to, isn't good enough at getting, putting pressure on, on the opposing quarterback and, you know, getting quarterback knockdowns. We, we don't ever pressure the quarterback. Um, we don't ever hit the quarterback. It just never happens. I mean, it's been a little bit better this year, but in the past, our pass rush has been terrible, and we don't blitz. Like, we, we just have never been a, a team that blitzes a lot, and it makes no sense. Like, if our front four isn't going to do a good, good, a good job rushing the passer on their own, and then our secondary is going to struggle when you leave them all on an island, like, why aren't you blitzing more? Like, we should be blitzing. We should be one of the, one of the top teams in the league in terms of blitz, blitz percentage. It doesn't make sense why we're not. Because our, our secondary is young and inexperienced and they're not very good. And then our front four just, when you just have, when you're just rushing four, they're not good enough. Uh, like, they don't do a good enough job getting to the quarterback for you not to blitz. So you need to blitz more. I don't know why we're not doing that. And so that's why we're so bad defensively year after year after year. And then we just can't finish games offensively. Like, on Sunday, I I turned the game to the Rams-Bills game because I wanted to watch good football, and I refuse to watch bad football. So I changed the, I changed the channel. I started watching the Rams-Bills game. And then I'm looking at GameCast because I was like, there, there's no guarantee we're going to win this game. Even though it's like eight minutes left in the first, in the four, fourth quarter, we're up 16. ESPN gave us a 99.6% chance to win the game at this point. I was like, I don't care. Like, there is a chance we lose this game. And so I kept track, I kept keeping track with the game through GameCast. And, uh, I saw that we had the ball up 16, eight minutes left. Like that, that that's as good of a, as good of a of a spot as you're ever gonna be in, uh, with an opportunity to close the game out. And of course, everything went downhill because we 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 couldn't run clock at all. Like we had, you know, the the Bears scored with like six minutes left, and the Bears had the ball with six minutes left. And I'm like, okay, we didn't run that much clock off. And then they scored. And then we got the ball. I think they scored with six minutes left. Then we got the ball. They got the ball back with a chance to score with four minutes left. I mean, I was like, how? 
How? Like, this should be impossible. How do they have the ball back already? Like, we've had two possessions, and we've only, bur- we, we barely burned any clock. We have one possession late in the fourth quarter that lasted 90 seconds. How does that happen? Run the freaking ball. How do you not burn more clock? That's ridiculous. And, and, and of course, the Bears got one more chance at the end of the game. They scored to take the lead. We threw a pick. And that's all she wrote. Uh, you know, I, I mean, uh, it's so frustrating. Like, we, we, this, we, we do this all the time. Like, nothing's changed. We're the same freaking team that, that can't, that can't close out games. And we won't fire anybody. We won't make the necessary changes to be successful. So until our owner, Arthur Blank, is going to care and, and, and make, and just, you know, make the decisions and show, and, and show that he actually cares about making, turning our franchise around and making sure that we're a successful team. Until he shows that he cares about, enough to do that, I'm not gonna care. I'm just not. Like, I'm not gonna care when we lose like this again. I'm not gonna be upset about it. I'm just not. Because it, it's clear to me that ownership, um, doesn't give a crap about our franchise. It, it, it it's so clear. Um, but, yeah, that, that's such a frustrating loss. Now let's talk about one of the better, the better games, um, from, in the NFL, from week four, which is the Rams and Bills game. And this was such a good game. One of the better games of the week, I'd say. Um, let me get a drink before we start this. I see how much time. Hour 41 minutes then, alright. Okay, so, yeah, this is one of the better games this week. Um, in the first half, the Bills were killing the Rams. Uh, the Bills were just so good offensively. And Josh Allen has been one of the best quarterbacks in the league, uh, through four weeks. And, I mean, I think he's approaching, I think he's getting close to being one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league. I honestly do, because, He's making dra- he's made drastic improvements over the offseason. He he's throwing with more touch now. Like there's been multiple throws he's made so far where he's just got excellent touch and he's dropping it right in the bucket. Like they're just beautiful throws. And then he's become such a good playmaker outside of the pocket, making throws on the run, off platform. I mean, it's pretty incredible. And his mechanics are better. His base is better. Like, he's just overall a better quarterback. And he's attacking the middle of the field. Like, it's incredible. Um, just the improvements he's made as a passer are unreal. And he looks so good. And so, I mean, if this continues and the Bills make a playoff run, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, like, is Josh Allen a top 10 quarterback? He might be. Like, that dude is such a good quarterback now. And it's unreal to see how much he's improved. Shout out to Josh Allen. He's been awesome so far. And he was great in this game. In the first half, um, he was awesome. And the Rams actually, uh, they were really poor offensively in the first half. They kept trying to run the ball. Um, they had a little bit of success. But their drives kept stalling. They weren't having a whole lot of success. Um, when they're passing offense, and, and the Bills were putting up points left and right in the first half. They, they went up 20, 
21 to 3 early on. Um, at one point, they were up 28 to 3 in this game. And I was like, well, this game's over. Like, the, the Rams just can't stop Josh Allen. And the Rams couldn't stop Devin Singletary. Like, Devin Singletary was incredible in this game. He was awesome. And I, I love me some Devin Singletary. I mean, I liked him coming out of college. Um, and his explosiveness was on full display on Sunday. He was great. Uh, but like Josh Allen had some incredible throws in the first half. He had a big throw to uh, Davis on the I don't I don't know his first name, but number thirteen Davis um, on the left sideline. He had a great throw to Stephon Diggs in the end zone uh, with pressure in his face. That's one thing Josh Allen has improved on. I mean, he is so good and he's he's so accurate. Uh, under pressure, is really impressive. Uh, but yeah, the Mills offense was great in the first half. Um, and, and, and in the second half, it was a totally different story. The Rams came out um, and were just dominating the Bills' defense. I mean, uh, they were running the ball. They were passing the ball really well. Um, and Jared Goff was incredible in the second half. Now, they did get... There was like one drive in the second half... The Bills had. Um, I, I don't really know what happened. They, they threw. Uh, Josh Allen threw a, a pretty. It was a pretty uh, wild decision. He threw a ball to a guy who was. Uh, who who had, was being covered pretty well. Uh, he pushed off the defender. He caught it. But another defender had his hands on the ball. And they called pass interference. But then the Rams got the ball. I don't really know what happened. I don't think it was fourth down. So I don't really know what happened. But the Rams got the ball back. They scored, um, and uh, the big thing, the big reason why the Rams were able to come back is because they were they were running a lot of screens in the first half. Um, the screens weren't having a whole lot of success in the second half. They were like Jared. Goff, there was one play where Jared Goff, where Jared Goff threw a screen to Robert Woods, and he took it for a touchdown. Um, and so he he was making plays with the ball in his hands, and then the Bills' offense just stalled. And the Rams were able to put a lot of pressure on Josh Allen. They were getting to him, um, and, and they were getting to the quarterback. And, and, and the Bills' offense just wasn't ready in the second half. They were stalling out. The Rams uh, were getting a lot more big plays. Um, they were getting a lot of chunk plays in the second half, which is something they weren't doing at all in the first half. Um, and, and, and they kept it balanced. They, they, they never panicked. They never panicked at all. They kept running their offense. Uh, they never went pass heavy. They they kept it really extremely balanced. And I think uh, Brett Coleman said on Twitter that after they went down uh, and were facing that huge deficit, their their pat their play calling was balanced right down the middle. They had fourteen pass plays, fourteen run plays. So they never panicked. They just ran their offense. Started attacking the Bills defense down the field. They got a lot of a lot more big plays. And that's how they got back into this game. Now, this had this game had one of the more the most chaotic endings I've ever seen. Uh, once the Rams went up, the Bills had one more opportunity, one more drive with around four minutes left. And oh my lord, Josh Allen, like, oh, like he he was it was crazy. I don't know how to describe it. It was insane. So the Rams kept kept just annihilating the Bills' offensive line. And they were getting into the backfield, putting a lot of pressure on Josh Allen. And Josh Allen would roll out. and But he wouldn't throw the ball away. So, 
like Rams defensive linemen are diving at his feet. Uh, they're trying to wrap him up, and he's just throwing guys off him. And and I'm just like, dude, just throw it away, throw it away, throw it away. What are you doing? Oh my gosh! And he would like, he would either th- like throw the ball away miraculously, or he would make a ridiculous throw to somebody in the middle of the field. Uh, and and the Mills were driving, like they had a thirty twenty two that they converted, where Josh Allen threw the ball to Stephon Diggs, who just ran deep, sat down in a little in a little pocket between two zone defenders. Made it made a nice a uh, nice catch and got the first down. Um, they also um, there was one play where Josh Allen was rolling out of the pocket, he escaped the pressure, and threw a, a crazy throw towards the sideline, which was almost caught by Colt Beasley, but another receiver knocked the ball out of his hands. And then the ending was super controversial because there was a play. It was fourth and nine, I believe. The Bills had one more chance to score. They had to score a touchdown. They couldn't kick a field goal. They were down four. Uh, and a guy ran an in route on the outside. Um, and he and his defender, you know, they were, they were they, there was a lot of contact. But they were both, it wasn't like one guy was initiating co- contact. No, they were both just fighting for a position like a corner and a receiver do. Um, and, and for some reason, the refs threw a flag. It was a bad call. There should not have been a pass interference call. Uh, it was just good football. Josh Allen threw the ball to him. The refs ended up throwing the flag, giving the Bills a first down. They were at the goal line, uh, and Josh Allen made a beautiful throw to his tight end. And now, it, and that just sucks for the Rams. You know, the Rams did a great job in the second half, both defensively and offensively. Um, they were Jared Goff was great in the second half. Made a lot of a really really good throws. Uh, Darrell Henderson. He had a solid game. Um, their defense was on fire in the second half. Their defensive line, specifically, was great um, and did a good job of getting to the quarterback. And, and it sucks to see a team's uh, effort like that um, coming back from a 28-3 deficit go down the drain because a ref decides to, to take control of the game like that. So that sucks. Uh, but Josh Allen, he came through on the final drive. Made the necessary plays to win the game. So shout out to him, but it does suck. That was the wrong call. And I hate it for the Rams. Um, but they lost the game that they shouldn't have lost. It was out of their control. The refs just made a bad call. So that sucks for them. Alright, before we end the podcast, I want to talk about the Heat-Lakers final series. Uh, game was tonight. Uh, I can't wait to watch it. I'm just I'm super excited for the finals. It's here. The Heat beat the Celtics in six... No. Yeah. Six games? No. Am I an idiot? Yeah. They, yeah. They won it in six games. and won the, the Eastern Conference Finals in six games. Um, the Lakers won the Western Conference Finals in... Did they win it in five or six games? I can't really remember. But both teams made it to the Finals. You know, the Lakers are kind of expected to be here... The Heat, on the other hand, are not. So it's like a, a David versus Goliath situation here. And I can't wait. It's a fun matchup. We got the Lakers, who got the star power. They got LeBron James, who's the best player in the world. They have Anthony Davis, um, who's a, a one of the ten best players on this planet. Super underrated. Uh, I know a lot of people probably have him as a top ten player. Just how dominant Anthony Davis is. Uh, but then you got the Heat, who are just a bunch of scrappers. They have Jimmy Butler, who's a star. 
was the, the number one option. But they got a lot of young guys and a lot of a lot of good secondary options who are just playing out of their minds right now. You know, Tyler Hero has been balling out. Um, Duncan Robinson has been a really really good as a three point specialist in the playoffs. Goran Dragic has been incredible this in, this entire bubble. Um, you know, Bam Adebayo has been playing out of his mind both defensively and offensively. Uh, and, and they just and Iggy was great in the closeout game of the Eastern Conference Finals. So uh, you got two two teams with totally different makeups. Like their rosters are constructed so differently. Um, and, and I think it's going to be a fun matchup. And I looked at the stats today uh, for the playoffs, and I was looking at team stats. The Heat and the Lakers are like neck and neck in every statistical category. Whether it be per game stats or or advanced stats, like the Lakers and the Heat are right there with each other. Now the Lakers are ahead of the Heat in like every category, uh, but they're but they're just super super close. And so I think it's going to be a really fun series. Um, I would probably go with the Lakers in six, just because um, you know LeBron has been playing really really well. I think Bam Adebayo is going to have his play. He's going to have his hands full trying to guard Anthony Davis. Um, and, and as we've seen in the in the Western Conference Finals, the Lakers secondary players like Dwight Howard, Rondo, Alex Caruso, Contavious uh, Caldwell Pope, those guys have been playing really really well, and they're having a more of an impact. And it's why the Lakers have been so successful in the playoffs. I didn't, I didn't expect the Lakers to make it this far. Um, I thought their 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 lack of shooting was an issue. I thought their depth was an issue, but those guys coming off the bench uh, and those guys playing alongside LeBron and AD, they've come through in the playoff in a way I didn't expect. And so I think if those guys continue to shine in the finals, the dominance of LeBron and AD is going to be too much for the Heat to handle. No, I think the Heat are going to put up a good fight. And if you told me they won this series, I'd be like, oh, wow. But, like, honestly, I mean, I, I wouldn't be too surprised. I'd be like, you know, I expected the Lakers to win. But, honestly, I'm not surprised. That would be my reaction if the Heat win this series. They're going to put up a good fight, but they are going to need to just claw and just fight this entire series. It's going to be hard. Everyone's going to have to show up and play extremely well. Um, they're going to probably need some more really good performances out of Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. But I think they're up for the challenge. I honestly do. Jimmy Butler, he wasn't. He actually wasn't great in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think he's going to have to have a really big series. This is his first Finals appearance. Um, and I, I expect him to come through in a big way. Uh, but yeah, those are, are my thoughts for this series. I'm going to be talking about this more on the podcast. I've been really busy, busy, so I haven't been able to do the podcast as much as I'd like. Um, but I'm getting to a point uh, with my schedule where I think I'm going to be able to do these more often. So that's awesome. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, and, and I will see y'all next time. Peace. <laughs> Thank you.